You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And it's a Shavua Tov and a Shana Tova to all our listeners out there. There's been a little bit hiatus in the, the teaching of Torah over the airs, over the Yom Tov period. But now we're back into the normal work week. In fact, I actually was pondering last night what it's going to be like to work for five days this week. Quite interesting. I was uh, speaking to somebody last week um, and uh I kept on closing my business um, every two days for the last for the last month, and the person said to me, "What is going on?" I said, "It's pretty simple, you know. Work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Pray and eat Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Deep breath in. Sunday. Start again. Work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Pray and eat Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Breathe in." But thank God, um, I certainly managed to uh, make it through the Yamim Toivim. Um, they were they were very special, um, inspirational at times. Other times, honestly, quite tiring. I think for for particularly for women in the house, the concept of just feed uh, you know preparing meal after meal after meal. Eventually, you actually don't want to see food anymore. Like you've like skinned that chicken. I don't know how many times and you've made that meat. I don't know how many times. And oh boy, the salads that, that was a hard one. By the end, I just made a deconstructed salad and said to everybody, just take whatever it is that you want and make your own salad because I'm done with trying to work out <laughs> another fancy salad. But thank God. Um, all was well. How was your yamim tovim? Did you come out inspired? Did you come out the same, God forbid? Did you find it difficult? Did you find it easy? I'd love to hear from you. Um, so please share on on air SMS 34519 or you can WhatsApp on 0621482374. But having said all of that and allowing the, 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 the month of Yontav behind us now, we have the saying, the Yaakov Halach Ladarko, that Yaakov went on his way. Yaakov being a symbol of the Jewish people that B'nai Israel now go on their way. In a sense, the, the month of Tishrei, was a very, very potent, very, very powerful month packed with a tremendous amount. Um, in it, there were many, many times and spaces where the way we, we, we behaved in those times and spaces actually were embryonic. They were there. They were the genes by which we were, in a sense, writing that which was going to and is going to, please God, unfold in the year to come. And um, I actually found a very nice story. That I shared with a, with, at, at a Simchat Torah breakfast, um, which I'm going to share with you just simply so that you, you're cognizant of it and that you, you, you are aware of it as you move on into this month of Mar Cheshvan, the bitter Cheshvan. Um, it's bitter because there are no Yamim Tovim, which means for the next four weeks, uh, we have an ordinary, um, cycle of six days thou shalt work and on the seventh day you shall rest, even though Please, God, not this Shabbat, the next Shabbat. We do have uh, the Shabbos project, which will give us a little bit of vumph and a little bit of zest and, uh, you know, upgrade the poor month of Cheshvan that doesn't have any Yamim Tovim. But uh, the story that I want to share with you is actually a story that um, is told of the Balatanya, Rabbi Shneer Zaman of Liadi. Um, it said that on Shemini Atzeret, which is the last days of the month of the holidays of Tishrei, the last days of Sukkot. Um, biblically, Shemini Atzeret incorporates Simchat Torah, so it was basically one and the same thing. 
But uh, on Shmini Atzeret, the Alter Rebbe sat down with his Hasidim and gave a discourse, a Hasidic discourse that was exceedingly lofty about the idea of Atzeret, about why the, the holiday is called Shmini Atzeret, the completion of the eighth day. And he really waxed eloquent and he was unbelievably deep about what it is that he was teaching. And his Hasidim sat around quite confuzzled and, and perplexed because it really was, most of it was way beyond them. But one Hasid, you know, was a pretty honest guy, like really, really tried to understand, didn't really uh, get to what it is that the Alter Rebbe was talking about. So after the discourse, he went to the Balatanya and he said to him, Rebbe, please. You know, I'm sure that you shared many, many, many lofty concepts. Can you please tell me what you said in simple terms? I'm a simple man. I don't understand. And uh, the story goes that the Alter Rebbe put his hand on his forehead. He 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 frowned his brow. Um, he thought for a couple of minutes, and then he looked up at the Chassid, and he said the following words, Shmini Atzeret is the tea essence. And that for him was the summation of what it is that he had spent two and a half hours elucidating um, on. Anyway, much later that evening, the Hasidim got together and they cornered this Hasid that had gone to the Balatanya. And they said to him, did you understand now what the Alter Rebbe was saying, that Shmini Atzeret is the tea essence? What does that mean? And he said, I actually do understand. He says, you know what happens with tea essence? What is tea essence? We take the tea leaves and we pour hot water on it and we brew it until it becomes a very, very strong essence. This is how they used to do it in the, the, the olden days, right? And then from that brew, every time you wanted a cup of tea, you would take a little bit of the tea essence, then pour hot water, and you would have a nice cup of tea. He says, so too, that which we experienced through the month of Tishrei, which culminated at the end on Shmini Atzeret, on the eighth day, um, is the tea essence. It's the, it's the culmination of all the various spiritual, um, resonances that we felt during the time of Tishrei, whether it was fear and it was awe during the time of, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, whether it was the feeling of achdus and closeness and, and, and a sense of intimacy with God, um, during the holiday of Sukkot, etc., etc. All of that came to a distillation, came to, to a very, very powerful point on Shemini Atzeret. And what we need to do with all the various in, um, spiritual injections and, and uh, opportunities that we we experienced during the month of Tishrei is now to use it as tea essence, is to take it now into our day-to-day lives, into our physical material lives, and, you know, pour a cup of tea every so often. That's very strong. That has got a, a, a powerful point to it. And, and imbibe it and sip it and, and, and bring it into our lives. Or another analogy that we can use is that you can... Uh, Unpack the suitcase of the, of the many, many treasures um, that we accumulated during the month of Tishrei. And so, in a sense, though Cheshvan is Mar Cheshvan, the, the bitter Cheshvan, because it does not have a Yontav associated to it, in fact, Cheshvan is really a month in which our metal is tested. Um, in so far as now we go to the day-to-day living, the getting into the, you know, the grime and the dirt, we're getting back into the materialistic world. We're living an ordinary life. And I think that the, the test 
that that we now have is that can we make this ordinary life elevated, spiritual, special, um, inspired? And the way we do that is we, 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 we dip into the experiences and feelings and connectedness that we had over the month of Tishrei, touch them. Like the tea essence, take, 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 take the essence of what we learned and, um, ensure that it comes out into our ordinary existence. And that really is the test of man. Um, I know this saying was going around, I don't know whether it was social media, but it says it's not as, it's not as important what happened between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but rather what will happen between this Yom Kippur and the next Rosh Hashanah, meaning we can spend time, you know, um, in, in contemplation, in prayer, in, in chuva, in repentance, in, 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 in really like, you know, very intense time connecting back, back to, to God. And those times are important. But what's more important is how do we translate that into our day to day existence? And that really is the proof of the pudding. Did, did we get affected? Did we get changed by the experience of Tishrei. And I'd love to have some feedback from you, like, you know, how did you navigate through the month of Tishrei? Um, it would also be interesting. Um, I think it'd probably be a good survey to take, particularly amongst the women and our domestic helpers, which we should give a real big shout out to, who were really part and parcel of our Yom Tov experiences. Thank you out there, all those that helped. The Jewish women make up Yontav like, which do you prefer? Do you prefer Tishrei? Do you prefer the, the days of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shemini Atzeret, Simchat Torah? Or are you more daunted by Pesach? Um, that would be an interesting uh, thing. So if you'd like to comment on that, that would be great on 34519 or the WhatsApp on 082-148-2374. Having said that, we are going now back into our study of the book of Tehillim, which really played a huge, huge part in the month of Tishrei. And for those that are following the show, I hoped that that which uh, I'm teaching over the airwaves gave you a little bit more of an insight, a little bit more of an appreciation um, of, of Tehillim. As you know, we were, we were building up the book of Tehillim from the first day of the month of Elul, where we set three chapters of Tehillim every single day, culminating and completing that book on, uh, at the end of Yom Kippur. Also, many, many people have the custom of saying the book of Tehillim as many times as possible on Rosh Hashanah, on those 48 um, hours of Rosh Hashanah, again on Yom Kippur, um, there's a custom of saying it. And of course, on Hoshana Rabbah, we stay up the whole night and we say the book of Tehillim. So King David very much had a place, um, definitely in our hearts. And um, we are going to continue learning after the break, chapter 119. And we are going to now be doing the verses that start with the letter Chet, the letter um, that corresponds to the number eight. Those are verses 57 to 64. Choose high. High FM. The Dummy's Guide to Streaming High FM on the Internet. Step 1. Visit www.highfm.com. Step 2. Click Listen Live. Step 3. Select the player you installed on your PC. Step 4. Enjoy High FM all day long. You're listening to Rabbits and Adel Kazilski. 
Welcome back and uh, let's climb into straight away the chapters, the verses 57 to 64 of chapter 119. Um, and those are all the, all, all those verses start with the letter Chet or Ches, um, which is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And as we've been going, we've been following what the Talmud says in the, um, of Shabbos 104a. We learn about the, the, what each letter of the alphabet means. And the Talmud teaches us the letter Ches stands for the word Chain. Chain means grace and charm, and we are taught that if someone follows in the ways of Hashem, Hashem gives him grace and charm as a gift. Um, once we start with the Aleph, and let's just quickly go through it, Aleph is that we believe that Hashem is the Aluf Shal Oilam, that He is the master of the universe. The Bet is indicative of learning of Torah. The Gimel and the Dalet go together that they Gomel Dalim, that um, that you go out and you do kindness to the person that's poor. And then Hey Vav and Zion, Zion, Zion is for sustenance. Hey and Vav was in getting an understanding and an appreciation of of Hashem and and His benevolence. Chet is about grace and charm. And what we are going to actually go and see now in the verses coming up is that King David is really talking about something that is very pertinent now to what I just said before the break, and that we're going to be living a very ordinary life now for the next couple of weeks, um, in that we don't have any Yamim Toivim, we don't have any Yontavs that are coming up and enhancing our lives. And really, the ordinary week is all about us going into the physical world, elevating the physical world, and making this physical world a dwelling place for God. And part of that um, really is all about our indulgence, or lack thereof, or balance that we find in how we treat the material world around us. So King David starts as follows. This is verse 57. Chalki Hashem Amarti. Hashem is my portion, I said. And our rabbis teach, the Radak, in fact, goes and says that everybody has a chalik, a chalki, my portion. Everybody has a portion um, in his life. One other, some people will choose wealth, luxury, and property. Other people will choose other things in life. King David is saying, I've chosen that my chalki, my chelek, my portion in life is chalki Hashem, is that I am declaring that I find all my satisfaction from having my portion in God, so to speak. Hashem is my allotted portion, my share, Etc. Etc. Um, and that really is perhaps a very good uh, bouncing uh, point for us to look at the, the 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 world around us and say, well, coming out of the month of Tishrei, what have I chosen as my portion in life? Am I going to now spend the next eleven months chasing after wealth, after luxury, after property, after just you know making things better in the physical world, or am I choosing consciously? To make a difference as well um, in the in, in in other areas of my life, in my relationships, in my connection with other people, in my connection with God, um, 
where is my chilek? Are we going to be able to say, as King David says, Chalki Hashem Amarti, Hashem is my portion, I said. And he goes on to say, Lishmor Devarecha, um, I am, Hashem is my portion to keep his words. Meaning what? The King David recognized that he was created and in the image of God as all of us are created in the image of God. And if we are a reflection of God and our souls are fragments of the, of the sacred essence of Hashem, then basically Hashem is our portion, is our portion. Nevertheless, because we are in this physical world and because materialism tends to give us diversion, we can have a a problem in that once we get in, we indulge in the physicality, we become proud and we forget about Hashem. So King David is actually giving the opposite. He's saying that despite all his wealth, despite his position as king, despite his power and his ability and his, his fame and his money, Chalki Hashem Amarti, I'm telling you, Hashem is my portion. I still follow the word of Hashem. And it gives me a tremendous amount of satisfaction. Verse 58 reads as follows. I pleaded before you wholeheartedly. Favor me as you promised. Here comes the word. Show grace. Favor me. So. King David was saying, I've prayed to remain in your presence, God, at all times without diverting my attention to gathering monetary wealth. And I cast my financial burdens upon you. And I have faith that you, Hashem, will support me as I remain before you and I forsake mundane pursuits. Now, this is a very, very interesting idea because... You know, while it sounds very poetic and very beautiful and maybe very altruistic, um, how many of us are able to say to God, I cast my financial burdens upon you and I have faith that you will support me as I remain before you and forsake mundane pursuits. In fact, um, over Simchat Torah, we were sitting in shul and we were discussing this, that it's, it's pretty difficult. It's It's a difficult task, particularly in today's very, very fast-paced world, today's world of connectedness through social media and through technology and through the, the expectation of, of, of have giving instant service, instant gratification to those people around us, for a person to say, you know what, don't mind me, I'm skipping two days now, I shan't be around Thursday, Friday, Saturday, call me next Monday, and then you might say, okay, I'll manage that, you go and do that the next week. And then after that, you do that the next week and the week after. Um, it, it, I think was, it, it was a pretty taxing, difficult challenge, um, to overcome. And, uh, I was speaking to people. Some people managed to overcome it completely and remain, um, true to the, 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 the cycle of what Torah is demanding of us. Other people, Faulted somewhat and, and, and had to go to do some work and had to, to connect somehow, etc., etc. What we need to understand is that if this mechanism is in place, we're able to rise to the challenge. And the truth of the matter is when you rise to that challenge, you actually see the repercussions of it, um, in a positive way, much, much greater. Hashem promises you there is a promise. 
okay, because Hashem is in charge of your parnasa. Hashem is in charge of your financial burdens. That if you keep what you have to keep, um, according to Torah, God will give you um, a, a reward much more in abundance than that in terms of which you worked. In fact, we're told any type of work that we do do on Shabbat and we do do on Yamim Tovim when we're not supposed to will go to waste. It could be that you'll see the money coming into the bank and that you have, um, you feel, made some progress, but then, I don't know, your, your fridge will break down or your car will need a service or the money will be spent on unnecessary things Um when, 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 when it's really not necessary. And I actually saw this, witnessed this very interestingly with my, my own eyes this time. And it's not the first time that it's happened to me. Um, it's happened on, on, on many, many other occasions, but as a point, um, just to share with you personally. So here we're sitting on the fourth round of I'm closing Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. Um, you know, don't disturb me. And I'm sitting in shul and, uh, I called over a member of family. There was bidding for the the, the Simchat Torah um, Torah reading. You know that there's various Torah readings that that are very very special on Simchat Torah. There's Chatan Bereshit and Chatan Torah, and there's Kol Naarim, and many many people bid for these for these honors. Um, at the shul that I attend, they don't give that honor to one you know the biggest bidder. But they allow people to share their bidding amongst others. So I called over a member of my family. Um, and one of the things that the rabbi mentioned, he said, it's a great schut. It's a great merit if you partake in, 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 in these honors. Um, much blessing will come to you, but it's an even greater thing if you buy it for someone else. So I called over a, a child of mine, a sibling of mine, and I said um, to them, you know what? I will buy for you Kol Na'arim. I will buy for you the, 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 the blessing that comes with, with, with children, with raising healthy children, etc., etc. And as in uh, reciprocity, um, my child said to me, and I'll buy for you, um, Chatan Bereshit. And so we, we, we tagged a price to it and we called the rabbi and we told him the deal. I'm buying for him and he's buying for me. And I said to my son, the early condition of buying these things is even if we have absolutely no money in our account at the end of, of Yom Tov, um, and I can tell you for myself, I don't know what was in <laughs> my son's account in mine, there was 206 rand. Um, I said, irrespective of whether we're going to overdraft, not, we must pay it up in full. Like this is our commitment. This is kind of like us going um, beyond what our logic would tell us. Our logic would tell us, um, at very best, okay, so commit yourself to your donation and okay, you'll pay it over the, the, the rest of the year. Your logic will tell you, you can't really afford it, maybe cut it down a little bit or, um, it's not necessarily, at worst you'll say, I, I can't, I don't have the money. Okay, we went, we went beyond the, the, our, our, our logical understanding. Neither of us had the money in the bank. Neither of us would be able to pay it up front, but we, we committed to it and we committed to paying it up front. Anyway, uh, the deal was done. Um, the actions were taken. Everybody got got called Narim and Chosen uh, Bereshis. And Motzei uh, Shabbat, we both switched on our phones. And guess what? <laughs> we both got refunds from SARS, 10 times the amount that each of us donated. Each of us 
had got a refund from SARS, which was really unexpected. It was something that uh, we were expecting maybe in the middle of next year, and we just both started laughing. We said, see, when you go beyond, when you when you live the life that King David is demanding of, of everybody else, but that, de- that he demanded on himself, where he cast his financial burdens upon Hashem, and he remained... Perfect before Hashem and he forsook his mundane pursuits when he had to. The, the, the gift back again was enormous. In fact, I started laughing and I said to another kid of mine, Hey, I'm going to not work the entire week next week. This week was unbelievably, uh, profitable. So this is what, uh, King David is saying. Chiliti panecha b'cholev. I pleaded before you wholeheartedly, Hashem. I, I, I gave over to you my financial burdens. Choneni ki imratecha. Please find favor, okay? Find favor in my eyes because some people will react to prosperity by becoming arrogant and by defying God. And and they use their wealth to destroy their rivals and their opponents when it comes to... To King David, King David knows that in order for him to remain successful, in order for him to, you know, um, maintain his wealth, he had to cast his lot with God. So here is the challenge in Mar Cheshvan, in the, in, in the period now that we are, that we are living ordinary lives. Are we living that, are we resonating at that level? Do you think this is a crazy idea? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you live by this idea? Does your intellect fight this idea? Love to hear from you on 34519 or on the WhatsApp number 062-148-2374. Continuing, uh, we've got verse 59 where King David says, I considered my ways. Meaning, King David really, really looked at the principle which Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi actually tells us in Pirkei Avot, because in Pirkei Avot, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi says, what is the upright way for a person to choose for himself? And he replies, he should make a calculation and consider the cost of the mitzvah, um, the, uh, the cost that a mitzvah entails against its reward, and the profit from a sin against its ultimate cost. So King David says, I considered my ways. King David was saying, whenever I made these calculations, I always concluded that it's best to turn my feet back to Torah. And he says that. Excuse me, in the rest of the verse, I return my feet back to your testimonies. Basically, what King David was saying is that every day I know that I consider my ways, I plan my schedule, I say today I'm going to travel to this place or I'm going to visit this person's homes, but whenever the time came, to carry out my plans, says King David, my feet refused to take me to the planned destination. Instead, they would turn me back to your testimonies that propel me to the houses of prayer, to the houses of study. Um, and now we need to understand that King David wasn't, you know, performing, God forbid, any sin um, in any of his planned visits. But when he reconsidered and determined how best he could spend his time, he always came back to the conclusion the best time spent is in the study of Torah and in the fulfillment of of uh, the mitzvot. And that's what he says 
following that, once he says, Chishavti derachai, I considered my ways, ve'ashiva raglai al edvotecha, and I returned my feet to your testimonies. In the next verse, verse 60, he says, Chashti velo hit mamati, I hastened. In fact, I did not delay. Lishmor mitzvotecha. I did not delay keeping my obligations, my, your commandments, meaning he discharged his mitzvah obligations skillfully, swiftly, and he was never, ever, ever uh, deter, deterred by laziness. And this brings me back to the, the deal that I cracked um, with my child on, on Simchat Torah. One of the conditions is is that we do not delay. We do it as soon as we're able to log in into the internet banking on Motzei Shabbat, we pay it. And we actually agreed 100%. It was unbelievable, though, that God had already given us the gift before we even paid it. It made it much easier for us to pay because we got 10 times more than we actually uh, was hoping for. And this is something very, very important. One has to be very one has to refrain from performing a mitzvah because you have A, calculations, and B, you delay it because you think, well, maybe you'll find a better time. For example, um, when you've got a mitzvah to fulfill, when you can enhance and beautify the mitzvah, you must do it now. So uh, the Sefer Hasidim, Sefer Hasidim written by Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, says as follows, if a person has to buy himself a talus, he shouldn't say, the only talus is available now is a plain one, so I'll wait until a beautiful talus comes onto the market. Or if a person wishes to write a safer Torah, he should not say, the only safer in town is an average craftsman, so I'll wait for an expert who will write a more beautiful safer Torah. Rather, says Sefer Hasidim, um, one should seize the opportunity to perform a mitzvah without delay. That's why King David says, Chashti, I hastened, and not only did he hasten, he even says it in the neg- negative, Velo hitmamati, I did not delay in keeping your, 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 your mitzvot. Um, and I think this is something that's very encouraging and something that we should keep in mind. We actually were speaking um, on an, in another meal on Yontav, how it's important that if you want to do something, that you don't delay because many times you actually miss the opportunity. You have good intentions. You want to visit somebody that's sick or you need to do something, help somebody out in some manner, et cetera, et cetera. Then your Yetzirah comes and tells you, you can't now, you shouldn't, maybe, perhaps. And then what happens that you actually find out that you come pretty short and you miss that opportunity. So part of living the resonance of an ordinary life, it's, it's, it's twofold, threefold. The first fold is that we should be connected to God, know that God, God is running our parnosa. God is giving us the food that we need in order to sustain ourselves. We should worry about what we have to do, and that's to make a dwelling place for God, to learn Torah, to do mitzvot. And more importantly, when we have come to that understanding, is that we don't delay um, when we have an opportunity to fulfill such a thing um, because that is the way that we manage to seize the opportunities around us and elevate the opportunities that God gives us. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back and we are going to look <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to look now at verse sixty one. 
um, which reads as follows, Hevlei Rishayim Ivdoni, bands of wicked men plundered me, Toratcha Loshahachti, but I did not forget your Torah. Um, this is again, talking in context of David's life, but certainly can be understood in the framework of our lives. David was saying, you know, there were bands of wicked robbers that plundered me. They stripped me of every material possession. But I didn't really worry. Why? Because my spiritual wealth remained out of their reach. Why? I did not forget your Torah. And Torah can, nobody can come steal your Torah learning. Nobody can come steal your knowledge. Nobody can come steal that which you understand and, and know about God. Um, the Sforno goes and says that this is actually talking about the verses that uh, the stories in Tanakh um, that relate to Avshalom and Achitofel. <coughs> Excuse me, who incited the masses to rebel against David. And David said, bands of wicked men have, have plundered me, meaning there was that revolutionary force that came in and captured Jerusalem and seized all of David's palaces and his wives. And he said, despite the crimes that they committed against me, I did not seek revenge, for I have not, I have not forgotten your Torah, which teaches you shall not take revenge, nor shall you bear a grudge against the members of your nation. So David teaches us that, and again, this is a lesson in our lives, that sometimes materiality is taken away for us for whatever reason, and we should accept it, let it go as a kapara, understand that even if materiality is taken away from us, we cannot be our, our source of Torah and mitzvahs, our, our integrity, our morality, um, certainly cannot be taken. Verse 62 reads as follows, Chatzot Laila Akum Lehodot Lach Al I would wake up, I would arise to thank you at midnight because of your righteous judgments. The Talmud states in Brochus that King David said, Never did I allow a midnight to pass by while I was asleep. And Rav Zera said on that, Until midnight David would doze slightly would doze lightly, but at midnight he would arouse himself like a powerful lion. Rav Ashi said, until midnight David studied Torah, but at midnight he began to sing the praises of Hashem until dawn. And as we all know, a, a kinor, a harp, was suspended over David's bed. And precisely at midnight, the Ruach Tzafonit, the north wind, would blow through the kinor, through the harp, and would cause the strings to vibrate and play. And that would arise David to, to wake up. And it said when the people of Israel would hear David's voice studying Torah, they would say, if David, king of Israel, is studying Torah, Certainly, we too must do so, and immediately they would arise and engage in Torah study. So King David was very much a nocturnal type of guy. Um, he uh, he certainly valued the the peacefulness and quiet, the quiet stillness of the night to study Torah. And many many of the 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 prakim, the chapters of Tehillim that we are learning, were composed. At such a time, the Sforno, another commentator, actually takes Chatzot Laila, the the midnight, and he says this is a metaphor for the depths of despair and sorrow, and he says that many many times in our lives we know that midnight, 
um, is the depth of the night because it's equidistant from the preceding day and from the following day. And as a metaphor, this can be um, associated with the times where we find ourselves in a very dark place, where we find ourselves um, in despair and in sorrow. Nevertheless, what David was saying, Chatzot Laila, if you find yourself in a position where there is despair, where there is sorrow, where it's so dark, what should you do? Akum, it's in the future tense. Get up. I got up. Lach, to thank you, Hashem. I'll push myself to new heights of appreciation of your judgments and, uh, sing praises to Hashem with renewed vigor, with conviction, and to understand that that which is, which is, is happening is for, is for my good. Meaning in the bleakest moments of suffering, one should not allow oneself to be crushed by pain, but rather allow yourself to attain new heights of understanding. Accept the painful judgment, judgment, because, um, then, you know, you will be able to connect to God in a very deep way and the, the, the wheel of fortune will turn. The Midrash goes on to say that David composed this verse, Chatzot Laila Akum Lach, um, in reference to two historical events. The first was on a personal level. Midnight symbolized the turning point in David's fortunes because it was at midnight, if you go look in the book of Ruth, it was at midnight that Ruth, David's great-grandmother, entreated Boaz to take her as a wife. Because until then, if you remember, she was apprehensive that she was disqualified from such a union because the Torah forbids an Israelite to marry a Moabite woman. But at midnight, Boaz revealed to Ruth the oral Torah that only the men of Moab were included in the prohibition. In fact, the women of Moab were acceptable as wives. And therefore, throughout his lifetime, David arose at midnight, because that was really the time of his conception, to give thanks to God for this judgment, because that was so essential to his lineage. The other that the Midrash points to is on a national level. It says midnight was also a crucial moment. When was midnight a very crucial moment? You got it. It was when God smote the Egyptians with the last and most devastating of the of the ten plagues, the, the death of the firstborn. This finally caused Pharaoh to liberate the Jews. So at midnight, King David gave thanks to God for the mishpatim, for the hard judgments that were visited upon the Egyptian, and the tzedakah, the righteousness that he demonstrated towards the Jews. So midnight really, really played a very significant part in his life, both on a personal level and a national level. Verse 63 um, reads, I am a friend to all who fear you, and to those who keep your precepts. Basically, uh, David was saying, First, I am thankful for everything that you do for me, and I appreciate that you are, in fact, um, my friend. I'm able also, even though I am royal, I still treat all Jews as my equal, my friends, because Torah specifically warned, by the way, the king, um, that he should be like that. And also, the Zohar teaches that at midnight, the souls of the pious scholars who departed to Gan Eden would arise to study Torah together. 
And the scholars of this world would arise to study Torah at midnight and they could, they can sense the echo and reverberation of that study. So when David got up at midnight, he became a chaver. He became a friend. He became a study partner to those who fear God, to those souls of the pious scholars. And in addition, he became a study partner to all the other living scholars who rose at midnight to participate in these studies. So it was, it's very interesting that he says the words, Chaver ani yiru'cha. I am a friend to all those who fear you. I connected with all other tzaddikim of this world that learn at midnight. And I also connected with you, um, with, with those that were in the other, in, 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 in the next world that are learning at the time of midnight. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. We're in the final stretch of the show. Just a couple of minutes. We are going to be finishing the final verse, verse 64. Um, it reads as follows, Chasdecha Hashem Malha Aretz. Your kindness Hashem fills the earth. Chukecha Lamdeni. Teach me your statutes. He sums up this whole idea of Chen, of finding grace and, and charm in this world, finding our place in this world by saying to Hashem, I know that your kindness fills this world. There are times where we find ourselves in a midnight. We find ourselves with people who are trying to, uh, plunder me. Bands of wicked men are plundering me, but I've always hastened. I've never delayed to keep your, your, your commandments. I've always stayed in, in, in your path, Hashem. I've even woken up at midnight and connected on a very, very deep level for you because I know that if we are embraced in the, the hug, in the embrace of, of, of Hashem, we know He is a loving Father and He won't do anything to us that is unkind, even when sometimes it, it looks as if he is being unkind, he isn't unkind because he is our father. And just as a, a parent will discipline a child, will sometimes maybe give a child an injection, a tetanus injection, even though it's painful at the time, um, the father knows that these these injections will protect the child and look after the child. That's the type of attitude that we should have. And that's how he ends off um the eight, eighth verse of the letter eight, the letter chet. So in conclusion, I wish all of you out there a fabulous week, a week let's that we can stay connected to Hashem, that we can go about our day-to-day life, our ordinary life. Let's look for opportunities where we can enhance, where we can fulfill a mitzvah, where we can do something. Don't delay. Do it. Get connected to it. And Somehow maintain a spiritual resonance to, to the, the work that you're in, knowing that you have to make the vessels in which to receive God's blessing, but we don't have to get engulfed in it. We don't have to get swallowed up into it. Let's maintain the tea essence, the, the, the essence of that which we experience through the month of Tishrei. So have an absolutely fabulous week, and please God, I'll be back next week.